Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Australia. We're bringing together the best technical leaders from across Australia to discuss industry's passions, challenges, and ideas. I'm Mel, and I connect businesses with talented contractors in the data space. Today, I'm joined by Sydney Manassian, the CEO of Sassian, Kavitha Danraj, the General Manager of Data Platforms at Zero, and Parul Arobiai, the Principal Manager. And we're here to talk about executing effective leadership to align with the company's vision. While we dive deeper into these topics, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Sydney, do you want to kick us off? Absolutely. So I'm Sydney from Sydney. I'm uh, passionate about helping people become their extraordinary, but among that, practically day to day, I describe myself as the glue between people, technology, and change. So for the last 20 plus years, I've founded and led multiple tech ventures in both Australia and Silicon Valley. Uh, I've had uh, all sorts of success, but also failures, wipeouts, restarts. I used to be taller. Um, and so, yeah, that's my claim to fame. I'm currently uh, the CEO of a company called Stassian. We are an AI powered online student safety technology that enables schools in the kindergarten to year 12 space be able to detect and intervene against cyberbullying, self-harm, suicide, threats of violence, online grooming, and image-based abuse. We've got roughly um, 700 schools across Australia and New Zealand, both in the public sector and the private sector, and we're helping to protect over 400,000 students today. We're uh, hiring and currently in scale-up stage. Amazing. All right, Kavi, do you want to go next? I will be much shorter than um, the whole length of uh, what Sydney said. I'm Kavi Dhanraj. I'm the general manager of um, data platforms at um, Zero. That's my latest stunt that I've been going through. So I'm a very engineering um, and um, applications delivery person. Um, and have worked a number of years in almost all sectors you can think from trying my luck at lotteries to um, securing my risk from an insurance company. So I have a range of experiences. What I really, really wake up every day is um, it, the desire of building really performing teams. And I don't use the word high performing for a reason. It's like it's, there isn't a term called high performing in my world. Um, really build teams that are passionate and can see the world through my eyes and my storytelling. And we have delivered a lot through that over the number of years. And that's me. And as you can see, I not, I've not i moved to Australia recently, but I've born and brought up in um, India and travelled around the world for more than two decades. So there you go. That's me. Amazing. Peru, last but not least... Hi everyone. Oh, can you hear me well? I guess it's perfect. So hi guys, I'm Parul. Um, I have close to 14 years of experience working in senior leadership roles. And uh, at the moment, I'm working with Toyota Finance Australia. As a principal manager, I lead data analytics team. But in the recent past, I've held multiple leadership positions uh, with companies like EY, uh, Fractal, Accenture, and uh, one of one of my biggest passions, I think they're twofold. Number one is that uh, how do we cultivate modern leadership in today's world? Um, how do we lead STEAM to effective results? And the second is because I work very closely with stakeholders and my customers. I think I basically act as a bridge between my technical teams and my stakeholders. So I have to kind of do the pretty job of keeping both of them happy. <laughs> Awesome, guys. I'm very excited for today's topic. I think it's something that is super relevant to our network. Our topic today is executing, executing effective leadership to align with a company's vision. Now, Sydney, I'm going to get you to kick off with our first question. What leadership strategies have you implemented to align with your company's vision? So the first thing I'll say is um, work in progress and it will always be work in progress. I think as leaders, our job is never done and alignment, you know, is simply a point in time. Uh, but of course we know uh, 
people evolve and context always changes, right? So keeping, you know, having put my disclaimer out, uh, there's a variety of things that uh, we have done and are continuing to pursue here at Sassian. So the first one is from a mission perspective, we've got a pretty exciting, easy mission to get behind. When you ask most people, where do you want to apply AI and big data and data at cloud, they always say, I want to use data for good and AI for good. Well, our whole existence is to take data and analytics, massive amounts of data um, for the, for the um, geeks listening in. We are currently processing, I think, 140,000 events or messages per second right now to do the analytics work we're doing in order to do the alerting around bullying and so on, right? So, um, so uh, leveraging AI for good, um, easy mission to get behind. And so, of course, we lead with that and often talk about that, both in the recruitment process, in the day-to-day -day of how we go about doing the work that we do. Um, you know, is it, there's a design issue on the product side, there's a service delivery issue, customer success function issue, and of course around sales marketing, easy mission to generate and, and get behind. Um, but of course, to support that, um, you have to be able to paint a bigger picture. And so from a mission perspective, our mission is enable schools to ensure the online safety of their students. And our vision, and this is a funny one, we did a twist with this one, our vision is um, we won't uh, basically give up until every student is safe online, which it's an endless goal, right? So, and so with having these things in play, we're reminding everyone that yes, you have a functional responsibility, but there is a bigger picture here. The company is certainly mission driven. We've got a vision. And then we're quite uh, proactive in turning our values also into virtues. And what do I mean by that? So everyone has values and everyone's working to have their values lived, but we really make an effort in sort of, um, and we're attempting and continue, as I said, to ensure that the values are turned into virtue. So we act on these things and we call it out when it's acted on. So we've got seven values. The first one is care, which starts with care for yourself. Because if I don't have happy team members, and I think um, Kabu was making reference to this about performing teams. If they're not performing as a human, as a self, they're useless for the rest of the team and then certainly for our customers. So thinking about mission, vision, values, which are of course the obvious ones, but they need to be spoken about. And I'm, and I'm keen to hear my panelists also share what they're doing there because they've got much bigger organizations than I do. So it's a bit trickier for that. How do you tie in a large listed company's mission or a overseas multinational like Toyota Finance's <laughs> mission to what a data person does day to day. I appreciate your challenge is harder than mine. Um, so having those things and then uh, thinking about there's some uh, tactical things. How do you align someone's role uh, so that they can see it directly impacts the company? Because at the end of the day, we have to say, what's in it for them? Yeah, okay, company's got a mission. Shareholders won't get, get their value. So what? What's in it for the team member? Why do they have to turn up every day and put up with me, <laughs> right? And so when we hum have that humility to ask that, we then go into the effort of going, well, how are we helping the company's mission align to what you're trying to do? And are you aware, and are we aware enough of your needs? And are you aware enough of the company's intent? I might pause there and allow uh, some of my panelists to chime in from here. Absolutely, Carvey, let's go for it. <laughs> I think, I think, um... I think there is no, in my personal opinion, there's no particular leadership strategy that you can say can apply. It's it's like um, um, the world has changed so much where things used to be far more predictable. Things on a, on a day to day, the the purpose, the mission, the statements remain, but how you interpret it, how you perceive it, keeps changing quite often. Um, and and it. For example, at Zero, what we do is about small businesses. Um, it's my my husband as a small business owner, so it can I can empathise and sympathise with the fact that the software needs to connect to it. And I'm somewhere sitting in, let's say, in the data space. Um, very hard to explain how a small business owner's um, mission and Zero's vision is going to meet what the strategy of what we are delivering in the data space, right? So I feel like that storytelling and leaving a bit of a humbleness in terms of the ambiguity 
that not everything is understood every day and encouraging the team to to start really stepping up to fill that gap is also very important. It's one of the strategies that we constantly ask them is this is why we interpret it. This is my interpretation. This is how the work we are doing could contribute to it. How else do you see? And those open-ended questions do help uh, realizing. I think it's also a bit of a learning for leadership. And I use the word leadership not as an individual. Anybody who want to be a leader irrespective of the title is like, how do you influence somebody to do what you want to do? Because I'm not on the ground every day or I'm not in the air every day. <laughs> how do you actually still make sure we are flying? And, and We're in the cloud. Flying? We're in the cloud, yes, I know. Which cloud? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's really important, right? It is, it is. And I do, I do agree with Sydney that culture like values and culture you know it's intermittently used sometimes in the sense the very critical how you show up is is the standard you're going to set in how you're going to actually exhibit and expect people to perform yeah so i think showing up every day is one one leadership strategy i would go and showing up saying i don't have answers for everything is something yep. very absolutely important. absolutely for all what do you think? What are some strategies you've implemented? I think uh, whatever Kavita mentioned and Sydney mentioned are definitely relevant. There are a few things I would like to add there. So I feel that um, like as leaders, we should lead by example. That's the, that's the most important thing that I feel uh, because if I am myself not doing something or I'm not exhibiting a certain behavior or something, it's very hard for me to convince my team about it so i think as as a as a leader or as a manager whatever you can say it's very important that you lead by example and you have a vision for your team you know you exactly you can create that big picture uh for your team and you can exactly you know um understand where we want to head towards plus you should be able you should use your power or position to basically remove the roadblocks not actually create roadblocks for your team and i think that's where uh like good leaders you know have exhibit that behavior that they try to simplify stuff for their team and 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 some leaders actually tend to overcomplicate things for their team so i think leading by example is very important when it comes to learning, I feel it's two way. You know, one is it's it's everyone's personal responsibility, but it's also the onus on leaders or managers or whoever whoever is in the position of power, I guess, to also maybe take the right steps. So, for example, in some of the organizations I've worked with, there are there are these um, almost weekly or monthly knowledge sharing sessions where you know you can share your knowledge. There are these rotation programs where in every two years or every year you you are moved into a different department or, or, or different business functions where you learn more about it. So I think as a part of culture, it's important that people who are in position, you know, create these uh, programs and or, or maybe encourage people to actually think not just day-to-day -day job, but actually about their long-term career and help and support them in their long-term career so i feel that there is a lot that people at the top can do and that's definitely one of the key responsibilities of a good leader absolutely now perul and i were talking about this question a little bit earlier in the week and i feel like i'm really excited to get both of your opinions on this question so let's kick it off and perul i would love for you to kick it off first as well what is your opinion on IQ versus EQ in effective leadership? Yeah, that's a, that's one of my favorite topics, actually. So IQ is basically intelligent quotient and EQ is, is emotional quotient. So, and I think there is a very um, good saying, um, if I can recall correctly, it says that uh, emotional intelligence is not actually the triumph of the head over heart but it is a unique intersection of both of them so i feel that in today's time uh both of them are equally important but if i have to pick up between the two which is more relevant then i would say eq is 
is or emotional quotient or being emotionally intelligent is 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 something that you can't um, you, you can't be a great leader without having a good level of EQ because um and sometimes people think that because we are in a technology field and it's not that important you know traditionally it's been thought that people who are in either a medical field or if you are in a nursing profession where you need that level of empathy you know it's it's more relevant but i kind of tend to disagree with it slightly because i feel that when people are coming to workplaces or offices they are not just bringing their head you know they are bringing their their completely to the workplace so if they are struggling personally or if they don't feel being understood or being seen or being heard then it's it's highly unlikely that they will be mutual respect um and and you can of course get short term results but in the long run i feel that it's very important for people to uh, especially for for good leaders to cultivate that habit of of being able to walk into other people's shoes uh and, and especially in today's time you know where people are not just uh working professionally but personally or financially or socially they can go through multiple struggles so i feel that it's important to uh create that work culture where we encourage honest conversations and we can actually create that harmonious work culture i have seen in the past like even with myself and and with most of the successful leaders i have worked with i think that's one quality that sets them apart from other people you know and and whether they are technically sound how much they know well that that that's subject to multiple things but i think that mutual respect only comes from when you when you have a boss or a leader who is empathetic so i feel that you know that is a very very important quality for a successful leadership absolutely sydney tell me what do you think Well, I'll start with the headline. EQ hands down is the headline. <laughs> uh, Love it. We we wouldn't have spoken about this, Mel, but absolutely um, agree with Barul and and uh, I. I actually have done a fair bit of digging into this space because of, you know, from my I mentioned in my backstory on the glue between people and technology and change, yeah. and for many years building teams, and right before the SaaS in business, I had another. data analytics company. So, yes. I've constantly been hiring techy geeky nerdy engineering mathematical personas and they keep looking at me on talkative, I'm extroverted and whatever they're like, how do we bridge that gap? How do we you know, and I'm like you don't need to become someone who looks like me, but you need to be impactful in what you do. So, you've got a great craft, you're technical in what you do. Um so it's really when we start talking about EQ, I started breaking it down and started referring to it as impact competencies. I don't want to call it soft skills because I feel like that doesn't mean justice and came up with seven areas and I'll just re- you know highlight it for the listeners because I'm not going to go into the whole methodology that I created but at least it'll give you a trigger for you to go yeah these are things I should think about as I'm th- trying to be an impactful professional you know so you don't have to be necessarily have a manager or leader title to want this this is being useful as a data scientist as a data engineer a platform engineer a Coda, you need to be able to engage with the other side. You need to be understand their needs. You need to be able to get your point across, right? You need to understand your uh, hold your value and to have a value exchange. So you need to earn what's relevant and valuable for you. So seven areas: mindset, presence, people centricity, context awareness, adaptability, communication, and value creation. as I said I won't go into those seven areas but if anyone wants feels like asking a question or dropping me a note on LinkedIn happily I'll I'll share more on that uh and these are the areas where you go okay I'm trying to be have higher EQ how right how, how do I improve my how do I improve my understanding of other people so I started breaking it down and I've run some internal training sessions here at Sassian following that methodology and I've also delivered that same program to a couple of different uh outside tech firms where they've pulled me in both for technical teams and sales teams to go right we're trying to help people be more impactful and so using the word impact rather than soft skills or EQ has has worked but EQ hands down you absolutely need this uh, as compared to IQ absolutely i feel like that's very powerful as well kavi what I what's your thoughts to say um uh, either of them but i think i think it's a balance and i'll give you an example why i believe both need to be 
culture. And a lot of the times I work with engineers and I work with engineering leaders and I work with leaders who are not in the engineering space. And sometimes trying to shift tax is very, very important. And I feel like a lot of engineers get frustrated when they cannot explain to someone their stuff, which is only about the value proposition, not actually. Sometimes they want to get deep dive into their technical stuff and that's where they're looking at your aspects of IQ and yes that's where your EQ comes into picture as to how resilient could you be as a leader to go well I'll have this level of patience here versus not this level and we're going to go into this detail I feel like it's it's a balance I think it's an inclusive leadership having both balancing correctly and and the reason I say that is um, it's much harder for somebody who is an introvert, for example, to just explicitly explain the aspects of caring for someone. They could be much shy and find other ways. And I feel like, to me, it's definitely you need to be very personally, very emotionally intelligent as to what sort of a person you are. So you create an environment so others can open up to you. But you have to balance it with that. That's where I stand but I'm pretty sure I'll be um, not so very popular with that balance. <laughs> well, there's three there's three panelists, and whether we like it or not, if we're not all agreeing on something, it's going to be two to one on a, on each issue. So this is good. <laughs> we need we need we need some friction to make this an interesting. Topic. Absolutely, it is. It is eh? I mean, I'm not saying it's not important, or you know, in the hands down, my hand on my heart, I'm a human person. I always go hashtag human. I always go into a conversation thinking I have to, everybody has the best intent. Yes. 100%. But I have actually been in situations where someone was really starving for someone to sit down and put that human side aside and just think like a machine. And I feel like yeah. I'm not saying EIQ is all about that, but I think it's a balancing aspect of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's sure. why I said right at the start that EQ is a, is 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 not a triumph of of mm. the uh, um, head. So sorry, the heart over the head, but it's the unique intersection of both, right? So I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think yeah, what you made a very good point, Kavita. I think you said that you know people who are introverted, you know, they sometimes tend to uh, not express as much, and there are some people actually who lack also emotional goods. So it's very important for at least people who are in tune with their own emotion their own emotions before they can actually emotionally connect with others at a human yeah. level i mean and it doesn't need that you have to go out of the way but you know just connecting at a human level is much more important yeah absolutely i, f I find like, like i sometimes have um these blind spots in myself right um and and i always make sure i hire people who can watch that blind spot and and hundred percent make sure and all of us do have blind spots and so it's a it's a it's so interesting that you it's how you match that for yourself and how you create that environment is a is a difficult task <laughs> it's very it's very true anyway <laughs> exactly well Kavi, i'm going to pass it back to you for our third question how, I should have agreed for the previous one. <laughs> <laughs> How aligned should middle management be to execute strategy? A one word answer would be is please, 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 as aligned as possible, you know, and that's the kind. But but the, the best way I would explain is it's it's a very um hard difference a lot of people assume strategy is a pack that gets generated once every three years and then you know there goes some of the work i feel like the it's not a right example to give for this question but i'll i was um i always remember this story and i can't remember i'm old enough to not remember who told me this but i think it's somewhere in 1960s kennedy goes to nasa and talks to a janitor and says what do you do which kind of was obvious he had a broom in his hand. But the janitor's response to that question is, I send the man to the moon. And I feel like the purpose is very important for alignment to be able to help um, execution. And I always remember that because, and that role about 
being on the floor of the factory to understand the various parts to taking two levels up the floor to see where the sausage factory is broken is very very important skill um for any leader to go which layer and which lever am i playing to help that alignment and explain the storytelling that's how i see the alignment question but happy to hear from that sydney and paul Sydney, what are your thoughts? Well, lucky for me, for a long time, I've not had to deal with middle management because <laughs> I've run organisations that have been fairly flat. <laughs> so uh, my last job uh, that I formerly held was at KPMG in 1999. <laughs> so wow. that's it, I was out. <laughs> so I've been an entrepreneur since after a few years of uh, experience. But I have always served organisations, large ones, right, which have middle management um, and... The first thing I'll observe is the level of difficulty on that role, because there's one thing to being in executive leadership and having a seat around the table and, you know, all the perks that go with it and the, just, you know, the ego, the emotion, the, the, the financial packages that, that go with that and the opportunities. Or if you are at the entry level of the organization, you're pretty clear you're at the entry level, but the middle management being the meat in the sandwich are constantly having to do lots of translation. So you know that glue between people, technology and change that I describe myself? That's what they have to do all the time, right? But it's almost like babysitting up and babysitting down. <laughs> who was it? Was it um, Perul, I think, who mentioned about nurses, you know, having EQ and whatever. I was like, you haven't seen an executive lose it, right? And then they're like worse than babies. <laughs> and so, you know, so, you know, you, you do have to do be a tech caretaker. So I'd say, yes, absolutely. Middle management, uh, they've actually got a lot of workload. We need to, as leadership, show a lot of empathy for them um, because they are in a management role and they don't really get to be in a decision role, unfortunately. They don't get to set the strategy. They don't get to set the agenda. They can help influence the culture aligned to the organization's set agenda, but they can't really go off and say, well, I don't agree with the, what the leadership's doing. I'm going to crack my own little getaway little thing here. Um, so... The, it's important that they're aligned, but it's also important that we recognize the difficulty and give them uh, the training and the tools to be able to adapt, uh, have um, a little bit of uh, distance, if you like, if you know what I mean, like as in detachment, like they have to do their work, but be able to be detached because emotionally I see there's a lot of drain on them. They have to care about, you know, how do I make sure I get the best engineers, best technical people, whatever else you're hiring for. It's a competitive market still out there. Um, but they can only go as much as, you know, the budgets that they've been given. They can only be as good as the reputation of the sea level if they're not in the press for bad reasons and so on and so forth, right? So <laughs> I don't know if I've added any value to this other than calling out that it's a problematic role. But yes, need to be aligned and um, need to also be coached and trained and supported. Absolutely. Peru. No, I definitely agree because I have been in middle management myself, so I know that the pain it 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 feels like, because you're like you know a dodgy bag, like being thrown away from both the sides sometimes, mm. and then there's this you know um, someone told me once that you know middle managers are like a thermal layer because they <laughs> absorb both the senior managers' inputs and the the actual frontline feedback, and you know they're they're the guys which is gets beaten up from both the places actually and and i think that's where um, that role is the toughest and and there is a study which says that statistically that is the number one reason why so many capable leaders do get stuck at middle management for a very very long time because there's a huge gap for them to move to an exact level and of course they have you know decent experience to not have worked at a ground level so and and if you see the the amount of politics that actually happen in any organization is the maximum at the middle management level because of all these factors that we spoke about. But I think when I've, because I have progressed a little bit in my career and, and because now I work more closely with senior execs and uh, one of the things why they don't include the middle management in, in that strategy discussion, one of the reasons I'm aware of is because if you include too many people in the decision making, it tends to slow things down sometimes. 
uh, and then that's the reason why you know they 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 fail to include that but i personally feel that it is important to align because those are the people who are actually going to go and execute uh, and and make your vision a reality right so if you don't actually talk to them if you don't take their perspectives into considerations then you can have a good strategy but like you need solid people to go and execute that strategy so i think that execution part uh, and that's the reason why the execution part fails in many organizations because the decision making is very siloed so i think you know effective leaders or effective organizations do tend to not take this siloed approach um but it's kind of a balance like i said if you involve too many people then your decision making can become very slow because too many perspectives too many inputs while at the same time if you totally exclude them then um, there are chances that your strategy will not be well executed so i think it's kind of a balancing act um and unfortunately i think that's why what sydney is saying i totally agree it's the hardest role to be in a middle management Yeah, I think I think there's several strategies, right? There's always a business strategy, and you know, depending on the type of organization you are, you have a product strategy and a tech strategy and areas. I feel like I feel I feel the there's a lot of value in deciding where they play the um, most influential role and ensuring they have a say in some of. Um, some of that and how that feedback has been translated into strategy and i feel that's the responsibility of senior leadership is it's not about you know uh, coming up with a dream goal somewhere you know we're going to win fifa or something it's like you you're preparing the strategy based on the market value but you're also having to look at um, your own backyard to make sure what is deliverable in the company and i feel like if middle management is not being given the why of the strategy and if they're not aligned and execution is out of picture and that's why it's so important for middle management to know why are we doing this how are we going to measure the success because success falls on their heads to some extent and if they can't really understand how they're going to measure it's going to be such a difficult job to perform and um, i come from a I I guess um I've come from both the organization styles where product doesn't come in you know right now in it and I have found that significant difference where organizations which have strategy and expect everybody to align like a um is different to thinking with a product strategy which is also requiring a lot of innovation in it. and that that's where the the tweaking of those roles come into picture and that's why I think they need to be very aligned. Uh, I've suffered the consequences of not being aligned. It's like you feel so dry, you feel like you're in a foreign land when you don't know the why. Kavya might add to that. I think uh, that observation around the product when it's a product strategy for example creates that focus. I you know extend that saying if there is a, a clear objective so there's the strategy but then if there's a clear objective it allows people to easily get behind and yep. of course the flip side of a clear objective often what's driving it is a crisis so <laughs> a crisis is great for bringing people together you know there's that whole concept of wartime ceo peacetime ceo type concept and i got the chance to see this in practice with my previous business um that data analytics company contexty we were serving seven west media during the rio olympic games and So we had to I know that their... work Sydney. I know that work. Yeah. And so you, that that um we saw how everyone came together because like with the Olympics there is literally a drop dead date. You can't say oh, I'm sorry my implementation's going to be late by a week I'm going to extend the release by whatever. Like the Olympics yeah. is not going to wait for you. So all internal stakeholders as well as external partners really zeroed in. it was middle management obviously that was leading the yeah. projects and programs but that was something that got delivered really well now what was behind that it was a crisis because you know television is the way we knew it Adver- you know viewer viewers would gone down um the advertising dollars were going down um channel 7 across all their or seven west media across all their um sort of assets being newspapers and things like that were recognizing the strain and they had at a strategic level redefined what tv is so it wasn't television but they were now referring to it as total video 
And setting a vision like that says it's now total video. So we're going to go on any device, anywhere, anytime. Um, we recognize that, let's say in Sydney's household, there's you know three teenagers and then a wife who's an artist and then Sydney who's God knows what he is. And so different personas. And so that was really good in seeing, okay, a, a clear objective driven by a crisis and a drop dead date. It brought people together. Middle management was so aligned, you will not believe. <laughs> and then after that, you go, ah, it fizzles away when we're in business as usual. So I wonder if having discipline around product releases or I'm not going to say invent crises, but just the, you know, events, is that is that a strategy that we or people out there should be thinking about that says, you know, and I think that's the concept of sort of agile development, right? Every you know few weeks, there's a release one way or another. There's a commitment to something coming out. Anyway, just a bit of food for thought to uh, invigorate this conversation. No, I don't, I don't disagree with you. Actually, a colleague of mine who lives in um, the Silicon Valley, we, we kind of exchange between when we can, between our only tiny time. And he and I had exactly the same conversation where we said, Interestingly, when we have a, um, a compliance or a, or a um, major incident in the company, we somehow seem to come together and no arguments. You know, stuff gets done and any other time we argue about its validity. And that's a very interesting uh, human nature, I guess. Well, what are your thoughts? I think. Yeah. I think it's also very important, especially in the tech industry, right? Because most of the, the people uh, who would be working on the ground, they are the people who are, let's say, closest to the data, the technology, the techniques, etc. So I think specifically in our field, uh, it's extremely important to, to have not even, I would not say just the middle management, but even the people who are actually working on the ground to be aligned because... Uh, uh, like I said, it totally depends on industry to industry as well, especially in tech industry. I feel it's it's very, very important because those are the actual people who are executing and, and operationalizing things and productionalizing, uh, let's say, models or whatever that we are working on. So in, in, in this field, I think it's even more relevant and important uh, because sometimes what I feel is that the senior leadership, like they tend to have a very fancy outlook towards thing. I mean, most of their plans are not even realistic because a lot of these people are never worked on the ground. And that's a, that, that's a fact, actually. I mean, because a lot of people have never worked on the ground. Uh, and, you know, so for example, in the past, I worked with many sales leaders, you know, they have, all they have done is just selling, for example, you know, so they can just sell anything. They've never been in delivery roles. They've never done or seen things on the ground. So, you know, they can just make all the tall, old claims about stuff and things. And when you actually get into execution mode, you'll realize how many issues there are in actually executing and getting things done. So I feel that, like I said, you know, in this field specifically, uh, now to what extent you engage them in strategy, in which areas you engage them, and that's, that's totally subjective. That depends on the complexity of the organization. The bigger the organization, I'm sure the more silos and the more structural hierarchies there are. But I feel that in, in today's world and, and especially in tech industry, if if you can be a little bit more aware of the on-ground challenges, then um, yeah, you will, you will end up making more realistic goals and not like far-stretched goals is what I feel. So maybe the sh question before should have been, does executive leadership need IQ or EQ or both? <laughs> because if they have empathy for what actually goes out on the ground level, that will change their both their objective setting and their support. So, Absolutely. I, yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. Now, Sydney, I'm going to get you to kick us off for our final question. It is, how do we create a culture of learning to implement data strategy into a company's vision? That's very specific. <laughs> Be as broad as you like. Sydney. Yeah. So I think the the um, greater culture of learning, uh, not surprisingly, uh, continuous learning is one of SASIN's seven core values. Well, by the way, all our values start with a C. So we added continuous so that learning could also be a C, continuous learning. Um, and, the, and I think part of the uh, value sharing today is actually sharing some 
personal experiences or insights, right, on what we're doing. So when we describe the continuous learning value and before I spoke about how we're making an effort to turn it into a virtue, is we talk about three things. Firstly is learn something new every day is one of the goals, like we say. Well, it could be a very small something new that you've read on a website or you've done something deep or attained a certification. It doesn't matter. But just as long as you, you sort of set yourself to learn something new every day. The second one, which is really important and goes in line with sort of that whole Sydney's mission of helping people be their extraordinary, is you need to take ownership for your own learning. Yes, management and middle management and the company, everyone has to be supportive, but you need to own it. And so when we at Take continuous learning is one of our values. It's like, well, own it, yell, scream, ask, ask kindly, whichever way it works, to say what um, what you need, what you want, where you want to go, and of course, bring these conversations up. And hopefully, you are in an organisation that has one-on-ones, and we're not waiting annually to, you know, uh, have have performance reviews, but you get one-on-ones with your manager at least once a month, um, and you get to talk about career objectives, learning objectives. So, but you own it. So if your organization's not doing it for you, find it outside. There's plenty of online resources, most of it free or really cheap. But then the third one that's really interesting, that's a sort of a hook on, again, like in in, in creating this culture that we're trying to do is be also responsible for sharing the learning. So to, to, to be able to teach something means you've had to learn it well. And also that goes into the spirit of passing the knowledge along or along. So they're the three things that we describe when when we're talking about the value of continuous learning and one of the things that i like doing is making sure that we celebrate things so, uh, by the way celebrate is the last value that's a c that's another c <laughs> but celebrate also recognizes there when one of our core values it's not just the sales that come in that we want to celebrate but it's like look you shared something or we had a new person on board and you went out of your way to spend time with them Thank you. And that's like a public call out in our Microsoft Teams chat or Slack if you're using that or whatever you're using. But recognizing when people um, are sharing the knowledge or have gone and owned their attainment of their own um, learning or uh, certification. So most recently, one of our team members got their AWS certification, which has got nothing to do with their immediate role. They did this as part of their own career development and journey. And we called it out in the team standup. Right, because you know he said I'm going to sit the exam. He sat the exam. He passed it. He updated it on LinkedIn, and then maybe knew that I would have seen or did it. Probably didn't expect that I was going to see, but we made a point of calling it out. So back to our leadership role: how are we trying to make this a cultural thing and encouraging it, um, and and creating a culture of learning? Well, it's gamification in a way, right? You set some boundaries, you set some objectives, and then you want to, you know let people know that they're going to get recognized anyway that's been that's been our take on it and and so far so good i mean of course we're you know trying to improve and adapt but yeah so far so good that seems to be working well amazing cabby yeah i'm rethinking about the question i think it, in general i i'm very much aligned to what sydney is saying is everybody should take accountability for for their learning, um, for sure. Um, the one thing I usually differentiate in that space before I go into the actual question and is, is is differentiating between learning to do your job well to learning to do to grow in your job. You know, mm-hmm. that has to be very clear because sometimes people get carried away in actually learning something in the job versus, you know, in that space. So I always encourage them to be very clear where they want to go. I feel I feel that if I, if I think about the question that you asked about it, I feel a lot of people, a lot of companies think about data quite separately, as if yes. it is uh, after byproduct. I, yeah. I feel like that. I think quite a few number of times you go through it only to realize that it should be part of your strategy because it's not. It, 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 you know, coming in after means you already spent enough money to waste it before you actually figured out to go back to the start. And what I mean by that is if you want everybody in the company to use data, to drive insights, to drive decision making, um, to become more resilient, you want to change whether you want to market more in a certain region with certain area and you want to make data a I wouldn't like to use the first class citizen word, but you want to 
being more data driven because it's not you know is first maybe your first concern is a better word than first class citizen you know if your first concern is we want to be insightful and we want to make decisions it's not a separate vision it should come from within the area and i feel it's much easier by doing that and growing the company rather than trying to go we have a strategy and then we'll have a data strategy and then somewhere in between chat gpt comes in so i i feel like i i think it's very important for people to understand that how you instrument how you collect qualitative data all of that is far more important for you to make right maneuvers as you are trying to make your decisions um as you're going through and i find that bit is not easy and you need to take the village along and somebody is very qualified in sql someone is not very qualified in sql how do you build your tooling to match to the low code high code user groups how do you tell a ceo not to have a vpn working on your machine before you can access sensitive data all this you know is education in my personal opinion and i feel like that culture can't come just by a small data team cranking the wheel it has to be in the dna of the company that that's my uh, a, a bit passionate about it because seeing the scars of not having that in a couple of other places so it's it's very important that execs actually drive the agenda and the mandate required for it bro i think i definitely agree with uh, both my fellow panelists view i think one of the other things i wanted to say is that so learning can be of two types one is you know more formal in nature where you actually go into your masters or phd something that i have taken in my career and it has definitely helped me because i'm i always believe in more formal coaching um which has worked for me but i think sometimes people have their own constraints in terms of time or resources and 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 it's a huge commitment right so there i feel it's also very very important when we talk about learning is to be it's 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 highly correlated to being curious and <laughs> i see that especially people who are in um senior roles sometimes they have it they have this know it all attitude you know which i feel you know stalls your learning because when you go into a meeting or if you go into a project or if you go into anything like i know it all then you know you have nothing to really learn or, or take away from that meeting and there's a famous thing that if you are in this if you are in a room where you're the smartest then you're in the wrong room so i generally don't like to be in a room where i'm the smartest i have to tell people everything hi and myself learning so many things and when i work with my team or I, when we brainstorm ideas or when i talk to my management i don't want to create a perception that okay i know everything because i'm also in that journey of learning myself and i encourage my team also to be on that continuous path of learning and i think it's also important to ask questions um i think sometimes people just especially people who are a bit introverted and you know they don't tend to ask questions you know they have this fear okay what will people think about me whether people will judge me oh i don't even know this much so i think we need to we need to get away with this mindset and we need to really embrace that it's okay to ask questions it's it's good to be curious and you should not have that know it all approach because that creates this peer learning and you can learn from your bosses your mentors your colleagues Uh, so that's why I said there are two ways to learn. One is the formal way of of learning, which is the actual academic way, and the second is in your day to day interactions and in your projects when you're working with your colleagues, bosses, mentors. How you can learn through them. Um, so I feel both of them are very very important, and we should definitely create a culture where we can incorporate at least the latter part, uh, which is around curiosity and. not having that know it all attitude and just being open minded you know around answering people questions no matter how stupid that may sound to us something we did um paro um way back in the galaxy um it feels like galaxy now but we actually made our teams go you know what we're going to write our personal sorry 
professional development plans and we um, had kept it open on an open drive and asked people to use that to create their own and make sure it's open. So then we had the whole drive was filled with I don't know how many professional development plans for people. And then all of us went in, especially the uh, leadership team, went and read each and every de professional development plan. And then went, oh, you want to learn that? It's a skill I've gained five years ago. Would you want to pair up and learn more? And and then we kind of were able to go and expand the influence in areas that don't have any direct reporting lines. And I, if there was one thing I would repeat in my career anywhere that would definitely be something because they felt safe and I got to learn so much um, by being curious by reading their stuff yeah I'd, like a learning matchmaking service uh, there's a business in that yeah, absolutely <laughs> we have an entrepreneur here yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic, Kavi. That's fantastic. Yeah, do we want to make any final comments on, on our topic for today on executing effective leadership to align with the company's vision? I think one thing I would like to add is that um, it's also very important to have authenticity and transparency, you know, especially in these time and age where we see it. A lot of companies uh, and CEOs, for example, or senior is like who we think of as a role model, but when we actually dig down into the company or their culture, their processes, you know, uh, it's it's not ethical. Uh, so I think it's very important. Um, like at least for me personally, as part of my own value system, I, I always like to work with companies or leaders who are ethical and where there is authenticity and transparency uh, around things. Um, yeah, that, that's, I think, it's 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 degrading, uh, but it's important and relevant. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, guys. I really, really appreciate you taking your time out of today.